Round one. Fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 191st episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We're powered by 8bit.net and those sexy, sexy legends at Audio Technica, but more on those guys and girls later. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8bit. And joining me today, Detroit's my Arbed. You can find her at Miss Ally Hart. Obviously, we're talking about Miss Ally Hart. How you doing today? Oh, good. A reference that's very familiar to me right now after rewatching yeah. Community. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's found a new home over on Netflix, and that looks like mm. it's a global thing because it was on stand here in the Australia channel for a while, but now it's jumped across to to the behemoth that is Netflix. Netflix is actually valued. I don't know if you saw this during the week. Their Netflix is more valuable than Disney now. No, it is worth more than Disney, that and Disney owns everything. That can't be right. Yeah, based off the share price, they are a couple of billion dollars more valuable than Disney right now. Oh, is it because Crazy. everyone's using the service right now? Yeah. I yeah. Okay. Wish I had some shares in Netflix. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a lot, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's gonna decline after this whole shenanigan finishes. So, I just can't believe anyone could be Disney. Yeah, yeah, it, it took me by surprise. I was just uh, skimming skimming the news articles and saw that pop up. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you some read. And then, like, it makes sense. They are the the sort of the ultimate streaming platform as far as a from a consumer perspective. Like a lot of other other outlets have a crack at it, but Netflix sort of perfected that secret source well in advance, so Ooh. they're doing really well. And yeah, to see them bigger than someone like Disney who own marvel who own fox who own yeah. everything you know <laughs> come in come in second in the in the media stakes is uh is something special for for those netflix shareholders at least they'd be they'd be dancing around the fire that's for sure i know why actually because i was looking for national treasure which is a disney film um and it wasn't on disney plus it was on netflix Ooh, so that must yes. be the reason why the shares <laughs> <laughs> it's just that Nicolas Cage sort of sprinkle of insanity, you reckon, sort oh, of yeah. boost the share price. Yeah. Got my own ah, Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> he's so great, but he's he's so unhinged, but you got to love him. You can't yeah. help but not love him, right? Yeah. Well, he's been in so many movies recently. If you look at his like, IMDb, he's been doing all these little side movies and stuff. Like A lot of people are probably familiar now with Mandy. The movie, oh, yeah. yeah. And if you haven't watched it, I recommend listeners out there to just give it a watch. It is essentially probably what Nicolas Cage thinks he is in his head when he's playing action movies. It's weird. It's a little bit weird, but I still recommend watching it. Yeah. Who doesn't want to watch a revenge flick about demon biker gangs? Hell yeah. Um, it is something. Uh, and I've got another movie on the download that I haven't watched from him yet too. It's called like... The Color of Space or something like that, which looks just like Mandy, but just even potentially trippier, if you can even say that. Wow. So that's another one that I need to check out. But yeah, he's he's pumping out these little art house indie schlock fests every mm. couple of months, it feels like. So yeah. um, kudos to you, Nick Cage, for finally paying off those tax bills and that mausoleum and the albino snakes and everything else you've been wasting your money on. Mm. 
Your metalhead son's wedding. Yeah. Bless him. <laughs> Bless him. But yeah, so um, we're here, episode 191. Thank you each and every one of you listeners for popping on by. Uh, we've got a, got a pretty healthy uh, serving of news and infotainment slated for, for this episode, but I guess we could talk about what we've been playing. Sadly, we won't deep dive too heavily on probably the, the common item here on both our lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone that's, that's listened over the last probably month or so, to no surprise, we've been playing a lot more Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yep. I just wanted to say, I'm sort of not really at the end of my rope. That's probably a bit too harsh, but wow. I'm getting a bit of Animal Crossing fatigue this week. Okay. Because uh, I've sort of uh, finished, finished the mainline story and now obviously you, you can just do whatever you like on your own. You can terraform it. You can uh, you know, build, build cliffs. You can build rivers. You can build waterfalls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can put all your, all your um, paths in. And it's just getting a bit overwhelming to know the best way to lay out the island. <laughs> and seeing so many like finished, finished snapshots or going to other people's islands and seeing how, how they are in the end game. Uh, and just the vision that they've already got of it, it's just like, man, this is too much for me. I don't know oh. what I want to do. I don't have all the devices. I don't have all the bits of furniture to maybe deck out some of the stores that I want to create. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know what? I'm done for now. So I've been like playing it sparingly over the last few days. You know what? There was um, an article that came out maybe a week or so ago talking about the disadvantages of Animal Crossing this time around because of how like connected we are on social media and they're saying that there's a concept of like like animal crossing like envy and like discouragement so a lot of people are seeing like you said like what other people are achieving and it's actually making them not want to play the game because they feel like they're not meeting up to a certain standard yeah, that that's that's me, me a little bit that's me a little bit and um you know it happens like it happens in any sort of creativity or creative-based game out there, like your Minecrafts, anything where you're building and, and being able to express yourself in, in the game in your own way, yeah, it can be met with, with jealousy or, you know, that FOMO from other people, I think. Yeah. So, I, don't I get even, it. I don't even think it's jealousy. A friend of mine, um, kind of like in our little Animal Crossing group, he said he didn't want to go to my island because the last time he went, it was already impressive. And he said, I don't want to go back because I don't want to feel like... I'm so far behind. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, like, I didn't realize that it was like having that effect on people, like that they would see how, you know, how, you know, organized or how like put forward someone else is and then they themselves feel defeated. I'm like, your, your big signs at the front of your island saying, get good, you bunch of scrubs probably doesn't help either. I do either. need to take you them know? down. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not <laughs> subtle. You walk in, you're like, oh, okay. Yep. Right in the guts straight away. Yeah. Actually, can I want to bring up one thing. I'm curious if anyone else is dealing with this. You know how if you befriend a character on the island, you get to start like, you know, you get to get a, like a personal nickname between them. And um, then they tell you like, oh, I'm thinking of changing my catchphrase. What do you think it should be? And the first time that happened to me, it was the jock character. So I like changed it to like, come on, bro. And I thought that was funny. And it was funny when he did it. But then after a while, the cute little pink hamster started saying, yeah, that's great. Come on, bro. And I'm like, oh, no. What the hell happened? And I actually witnessed what happened. And conversation between that 
jock character and another character on my island the other character goes I really like your catchphrase can I borrow it and he's like yeah it doesn't bother me I have all these characters on my island now saying come on bro and I'm like I I hate this I hate this I hate this what have I done what have I done it's a village of the damned now yeah I've got an island full of dude bros now (laughs) yeah I've um I've started the process of of sort of cycling out villages um yeah, so I've I've rotated two out so far, in the hopes of trying to find a couple of the cooler, more rare ones. Uh, and in in this journey of trying to to weed out the the crap, I guess you could say, as far as the the less quality or lower caliber villages that are available in Animal Crossing New Horizons, mm. I started researching Animal Crossing amiibo cards. I knew you were getting there. Yep. <laughs> Which is also a, uh, it's like Pandora's box. And I went so deep on eBay and Amazon trying to hunt these people out. And (laughs) my God, there is this black market currency going on on the back of these cards due to the rarity or I guess the the community rated coolness of some of these these villagers. Uh, And and it just so happens some of the ones that I sort of took a little bit of a shining to, yeah, they're not just three dollars a card or whatever else it's like oh yeah that's that's 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever what? else for a card and the other thing that i haven't i could probably find out pretty quickly but that card is it single use do you know or is it multi-use like if i had that card and say a group of us were in the in a room 1.5 meters apart obviously social distancing blah 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 if i use that amiibo card to bring in let's say meringue who's this cute as hell rhinoceros that's one of the only few custom designs in it that's actually like based off a strawberry shortcake. Oh, and it's got like a little strawberry uh, rhino horn. Cute mm-hmm. as cute as a button. Mm-hmm. Um, all about all about her. If I use that card, could I then pass it around the circle for someone else to amiibo in and then someone else and someone else? Or is it, a, or is it single use? That's a good question because like a lot of people would deal in those cards. But you would assume because a lot of people would be selling their cards that it should be like multi-use. Because I actually have a bunch of cards like from Happy Homemaker, which have these codes, which are scannable, um, but they're, it's in Australia, so um, <laughs> I can't really access them. So, but I mean, people are selling the codes and they're selling like the little scannable chips and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, no, that's a good question. And I don't know if they are restricting them to one scan each. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to read some stuff online right now about it too. And it's sort of conflicting. They're saying, yeah, they can be shared with a friend. But um, apparently when it does get scanned, some of that saved data sort oh. of hops to the next one. So maybe the... Yeah, you can't invite the character to buildings, housing. Uh, anyway, it's it's something ongoing. But hopefully, hopefully they are multi-use because I did buy a couple of them. I got a few of the cheaper ones that I just like the look of. So I spent about thirty bucks, I think, and I got like ten okay. cards just Ooh. to have some options, gotcha. just so I can weed out a couple of these bits of bits of dead wood at Sharkfin Island. I'm, I've be, I've actually had to stop people from leaving. All my characters are like, you know what? It's been fun, but I think I want to venture out and stuff. I'm like, no, you can't leave. Mm-hmm. So I've had the opposite effect. Although if you've come across um, Hamlet, let me know. Hamlet? Who's who's Hamlet? Hamlet's Is he a pig? A, no, he's a cute little hamster with um, um, a big star on his um, purple shirt. And his little catchphrase is hammy. Uh, yeah, he's pretty cute. He's got a little, little cowlick fringe as yeah. well. I had him on um, pocket camp. And okay. Yeah, so. Nice. 
I'll keep an eye out for for little little Hamlet. He does look pretty cute. He's adorable. The only the only hamster I've got to Clay is a little ninja hamster, but I'm trying to sort of show him the door semi for <laughs> well, not forcefully. I went and complained, thinking that was the way to, no. to get the ball rolling. It's just not. They just Ignore get them to talk them. to you differently or yeah. change their clothes. Ignore them. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'll start the start the ignoring process and put a put an invisible wall up between me and Clay to, to weed him out and then uh, weave in one of these new amiibos down the line. Mm-hmm. So that's all I've really been playing this week. I've been watching a heap of stuff, but I hear that you've been uh, persisting <laughs> with Resident Evil 3. You actually worked out what to do with the uh, the fire hose. Yeah, so um, we got over that hurdle thanks to the help of everyone. So um, finally moved forward um, and then a few few i don't even know if it's that's actually technically correct a bunch of times running into freaking nemesis he is what's what's your thoughts on him he's like it's such a cool design but the amount of times he just comes in to like ruin your you know ruin what you want to do but then his actual um mechanics they seem bugged they seemed like not clear like like there's been a lot of times where like i've gotten away from him you oh do you want to hear what my second death like i'm actually been pretty good i haven't died a lot in playing this but Mm -hmm. do you want to hear what my second death was i sure do so adventuring into the game conquering everything trying to head back to the subway and feeling pretty good about how well i'm playing apart from the fucking fire hydrant issue but bygones be bygones um i died by a giant head oh yeah the, the big charlie <laughs> rolling head down the steps yeah um my camera work and controller was stuffed and then i got like jimmied in between the little middle section and i got died i, I got i got died good english i got Allie. died um <laughs> i got killed by the giant head i'm like that's my second death that's that's how i die and my first jump scare was the gunsmith <laughs> oh i kendo yeah i felt comfortable being in the you know gun shop and then yeah he pops out i literally went yeah that's why he got me too and full disclosure that giant head got me twice uh the first time because (laughs) i i expected like some kind of just cut scene to jump in where jill just naturally jumped out of the way so i sort of stood there and it just went (laughs) pancake me then the second time i ran down and then yeah tried to cut in the little breakout section of the steps and sort of stand there mm-hmm. but now it gets you there as well so so yeah. yeah that that big giant charlie head got me twice yeah oh also um i was having a lot of issues with my inventory especially when you get down into the drains and the, the sewers and everything and i'm like man i'm juggling i'm going back and forth to the safe locations to move items in and out and um and, and then like i finally got over that and like i finally got to the subway and like i was like you know eventually heading back to the subway before the you know changeover and then uh, my husband comes over and he goes oh see that little like rubbish bin that's on there you can get rid of that (laughs) i have been carrying the um bolt cutters the entire time (laughs) yeah i get you because like when they first brought that mechanic in in previous resident evils i'm like maybe Maybe this is a swerve and I need to actually carry this just to be safe. Maybe they're sort of saying, you can get rid of it, but maybe you might need it. So I remember hoarding some stuff in previous games for a while unnecessarily. 
I just, because it was usable like twice, I didn't question needing to get rid of it. And then I never really paid attention to the little garbage bin next to it. So I was just like carrying it around with me. And then I was having issues because you get like a grenade launcher and then you improve your shotgun. So then it takes up two slots and then I'm like, oh, juggling. So yeah, so. Have you been been getting the additional sort of pouches that you can get out Mm -hmm. of the the safes or the, you know, the the little three digit pin code lockers and things? Yeah, I've been, I think I've found so far two extra pouches. Um, To say where I am in the game, I'm now at the police station. Yep. So I've just gotten to the police station. I don't know how far that is. So you're playing as Carlos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know, I know where you are. Um, yeah and that's that's cool because that's where you can use some of those previous pin codes from resident evil 2 for some of the locker combinations and stuff to get yourself some some gear along the way (laughs) that doesn't help me (laughs) (laughs) i haven't played it maybe just google them Uh, i might have to all right yeah but um overall now that like i've kind of progressed further i've been advised that like i'm i it's not a terrible game i'm just not enjoying it too much um But I'm being advised that, like, this was, like, a turning point in the Resident Evil where it kind of went action, apparently, where all the other games were more puzzle-based. Yeah, so so there was more puzzles in Resident Evil 3 in the original, and there was a few other things that they've taken out for, for this remake. But, yeah, it was, it was a change from, from 1 and 2 and then the, the Revelations games and Code Veronica's and stuff like that, where this and then, obviously, number 4 was where it went pure action with a little bit of bit of jump scare and some changes in the mechanics but this was a big change of the formula where it was mostly you were just getting pursued the whole time by nemesis like you couldn't really feel like you could sit and catch your breath too much and did that feel like it was for you at some times where you're just hearing him yelly stars and he's you know shooting at you with a rocket launch or whatever shooting his tentacles is he actually saying a word is he i thought it was just going rah (laughs) Yeah, he does his raw, but occasionally you hear him say stars, and oh. and that was something that was goes back to the original because he was created for like there of a better term to hunt the remaining stars members oh. that uh, were going to uncover the the plot from the the mansion from Raccoon City One, I mean yes. Racco- uh, Resident Evil One in um, on the fringes of Raccoon City. Oh, okay, then I, mean, I guess I never paid attention. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I love his design concept. He looks really cool. I just, it feels like an unnecessary, just like, like a brick wall while you're playing the game because I haven't found him too challenging. Like about the worst one was being on the rooftop and Mm -hmm. just doing unnecessary, just like circles and loops and like it's even getting to the roof. I didn't feel any urgency. Like, I'm like, I know that if I just keep going, I'm going to get to the top. He's not following me up ladders. I don't know. Like there's a, there was, it was less about me being like, Oh my God, Nemesis is on my tail to like, Oh, here he comes. Like, it's like, I'm going to have to deal with him. And then Mm. I've already gotten the concept that he's going to keep coming back. So yeah, I don't know. I guess I was going to just say maybe because I know me killing him is going to do nothing. It doesn't feel like, much did you find yourself in these exchanges with nemesis did you find yourself trying to shoot him to to 
make him go down at all or are you just not even wasting ammo and just sort of trying to dodge him and, and, and escape just off on Yeah, foot? for the most part, um, I barely ever shot him until I got told if you shoot him, he drops stuff. But um, for the most part, yeah, I just am like, what's the point? So I just always like my plan was always just how to get further away from him and how to dodge him like timing wise. Like he yeah. makes certain noises that, you know, when you have to dodge. But yeah, like I, I don't think I, I barely ever shot him. Um, I usually use like the electricity or the fire barrels or whatever to just slow him down until I got to that. Obviously, the next point where he couldn't get there. Yeah. Except for that's what I thought was a safe room, and he just like <laughs> comes yeah, into the his doorway. Way in there. <laughs> yeah, like well, get the hell out. Yeah, but yeah. So I like I'm going to finish the game because I've put this much effort into it. But um, yeah, I'm 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 really on the fence about. It. I'm not too sure if this was the right game to kind of like win me over. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're about halfway through. If you okay. if you're in the police station, you got depending on the on the speed and and how far you want like how quickly you want to push through you got a you got 2 to 3 hours on on a pretty normal run to go i'd say if okay. you, if you sort of know where you're going so it's it's not too bad not too bad a not too bad a run not too bad a playthrough i know there has been some negative feedback about the the length of the game though they do say it is a bit shorter and some of the things that they've removed from the game uh, has been met with some negativity but that's something we'll talk about when we do sort of a full spoiler cast episode in in the next week or two anyway true yeah so you've been watching some stuff um, yes. there's one here that you've been watching uh that i'm excited to talk about and that's lego masters yeah i you only just informed me this morning that there's apparently a lego masters america and lego masters australia which i didn't know yeah, like I don't know if other regions around the globe outside of those two hubs you mentioned has done this concept before, but from what I'm aware of, at least for America and Australia, we were the first. So we did a season last year and Hamish Blake hosted, obviously Hamish and Andy fame. He's oh. he's the host of this thing. Uh, season two actually starts tomorrow night, Sunday night for us here. So the second season of this airs from tomorrow. And um, God, it's such a great show, such a great concept. Yeah, well, we we got Will Arnett um, from Arrested Development. Which I don't Development. mind, yeah. obviously, and Lego Batman fame. So oh, well, there's connections yeah, and, there. By golly, he doesn't stop talking about that. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm because you said it's Hamish. Um, I'm assuming he's doing the very similar, um, or we copied the way that he interacted. Like there's like this this kind of breakdown of reality programming where they kind of acknowledge all the tropes and like kind of say and this is when you know and an intense twist would come in and this is like a subtle like you know nod to that you have only an hour left and then the whole room goes red like there's a lot of breaking there down is a of lot of that the tropes. Here, yeah yeah okay. so, so with with the american version like we've got hamish Oh, in the Australian version, sorry, we've got Hamish Blake, who's, yeah, the, the colour commentator, the light-hearted host. And then we've got this Lego mask. He's, he's like, he's got a, obviously a real name, but his name in the show is Brickman. And apparently he's like a certified, I can't remember if it's like a Brickologist or Legoologist. He's one of a handful of people that are like Lego certified in the world. So he's like this oh. Lego savant. So he's there as well to sort of be, I guess, the, the, the straight shooter and and describe what's going on and talk about Lego in a more serious fashion as well. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, we, like, in our one, it's Will Arnett that's the host, and then he has two people um, that judge. One is, like, some guy who's done all, like, that architecture Lego. Like, he created mm-hmm. all that, and then another woman who created all this other Lego stuff. So they're direct working for Lego. Yeah. So it's so we great, ain't got though. no brick man. No, no brick man. You've got brick lady and brick other man. Yeah. But it's, it's so fun to watch. Like, I, I love Lego. Anyone that's listen to this podcast or probably seen anything on social medias know that I got a bit of a soft spot for Lego and um, yeah, it's just cool to see and, and it probably goes full circle back to the Animal Crossing building of the islands, just seeing this create creativity of people just flow like that where mm-hmm. they get a, a blank piece of paper or a blank you know, giant block of Lego and have to sort of carve that out into something. Like it's, it's really cool to see. And um, I'm excited to check out season two when that airs on Channel 9 yeah. tomorrow night. I've definitely wanted to, like, get into Lego, like, start buying Lego after seeing it. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know you could do this sort of stuff. So, but I, uh, watching you, I know it's an expensive investment, so I might yeah. take yeah. a step back. It's something I want to maybe buy some of the, the just the, the giant blocks of it or giant packs of it that aren't don't really like the free build stuff just so mm-hmm. you can just have a heap of bricks and and try and start building off the plan as opposed to following the guides like anyone can build anything off a manual but mm. when they say you need to build the eiffel tower you know and just sort of seeing people try and conceptualize that and bring it to reality i think that's the cool part of it yeah yeah it's it's amazing how people's brains work i guess it's like mix of creativity and in engineering so it's, yeah it's good yeah. it's a good watch it really is and um yeah made it might end up seeing bloody rach on there next season the producers have been at her on social media on and off for like a year saying you should do this so um yeah we'll see if she decides to to Ooh. take the plunge and become a potential lego master Ooh, go rach yeah so um yeah you've been watching some peaky blinders too yeah that was uh, like Peaky Blinders was always one of these shows that a lot of people kind of recommended to me, but unfortunately, I ha- I always get like recommended certain stuff, and then and then it never goes well, and then any opinion that person has in the future just goes out the window. So, but um, it, I've actually jumped in because my husband was watching season. He's already watched season one, and then he was watching season two. He goes, "Do you mind if I just put this on?" And, you know, because I was playing Animal Crossing, of course. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then I got into it. Like, I really got into it. Like, you know, like set in England and there's like gangs and Irish gangs and like Italian gangs based in London. And like, uh, it's and the, the time period and like, like how like gritty it is and just the acting and all the cast in it as well. Um scarecrows in it i call him scarecrow yeah, because C- i don't Cillian know murphy i heard he's really really good in it <laughs> he is so good in it like 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 i know that he who he like i know that he played scarecrow but I, it's not like it's sitting there in front of me he's a completely different character and he plays it well he plays like you know essentially like the gang leader of the piggy blinders um and he just has that right amount of like like he has heart but he's also brutal but he's also very strategic and like what's his name freaking bane is it bane tom, tom hardy. hardy yeah he's in it as well 
Uh, and it's it's just a great cast. It's, so far, it's been really compelling story, obviously enough, because I've just jumped in now. So I'm into season three, um, and it's just getting better. And I didn't realize it was still going because I feel like it got recommended to me ages ago. And it's so like, it's still going today. Like they're still making new seasons now. Yeah, well, like the last one I think was 2019. So okay. Yeah, so um, if you haven't watched it and you like that kind of, that time piece where, you know, what was it called with the alcohol? Oh, um, you're talking the Boardwalk Empire? Yeah, like it's Like it's the very Pro- Prohibition era? That's it. So like it's around that time piece, but in England. So um, it's pretty great. They talk about like the Irish gangs and, you know, the Crown getting involved. You've got Churchill in there, so... Yeah, it's it's pretty good. They've done it amazingly well. Sam Neill's in it. Nice. He plays I'd a watch real anything prick. with Sam Neill. I love him. Yeah, but he plays a real prick. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. Um, so, yeah, check it out if you like that kind of gang mobster stuff. It's really it, good. It's been on my list for a very, very long time. Like, as you said, I could have sworn we heard about this show like 10 years ago originally, yeah. something like that. Like, I remember it sort of popped up during like peak Sons of Anarchy days, if I remember right. That was about, about when right, I remember yeah. hearing about it. Yeah. That, but that's, I, I've missed it. That and also another one, another period piece that I, I need to, to watch is The Nick. Have you heard of that one? I have heard about that one. Yeah. So sort of set, I think it's early 1900s when medicine is obviously nowhere near what it is today. It's got Clive Owen as the lead and it sort of just dives into how medicine and surgery i guess almost came to be like how there's a lot of trial and error and guesswork and and it's apparently like it's pretty rough to watch as far as they don't shy away from the camera when they're operating on people and testing Mm. out these primitive ways to save people's lives Uh, so i really want to check that out too Mm. i might have to look into it as well Mm. watched um watched a couple of movies this week uh the first one i want to mention is underwater which is a new sci-fi horror film uh, it came out this this year in the cinemas. Kristen Stewart, That's obviously her. Bella from uh, Twilight, is the the lead in in this one. Mm, how and was it's, it? It's not bad, not bad. I'll say it's a pass. Um, okay. Like picture, picture Alien or yep. the Thing, okay. but at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Okay. Because I I hate. Like, I don't hate, but, like, I get really uh, claustrophobic in deep ocean, you know, submerging kind of thing like that. So, I'm wondering if that will actually have a good effect on me. Like, I'll genuinely be you know, affected by the intensity I, of I the I think drama. you will. Like, the way it's shot is mm-hmm. fantastic. Like, there's a lot of camera work, like, inside almost their deep sea helmets. So, you sense this claustrophobia because the camera Ooh. is, like, right there in their face. And uh, it's it's very realistic as as far as in these depths of the ocean, like you can't see much. The water's really murky. Sound is limited. So there is this sense of tension and unease right from the jump. Like the movie starts just like with a bang and it doesn't really let up for the, probably the first act sets the scene. Well, uh, yeah. So it's like this sort of uh, drilling crew <laughs> drilling into the bottom of uh, Mariana trench, which obviously is the, the deepest part of the ocean. It's about 10 Ks down from sort of sea level. And yeah, they, potentially unearth something when they're when they're drilling down there and then obviously bad shit in shoes and they need to try and survive and escape so it's really cool like it's a very small cast there's only sort of five or six people that you get introduced to in the in the whole in the whole film okay. um 
but it's really really well shot and you, you do get that sense of tension and and claustrophobia being down in in the ocean and yeah i i really enjoyed it was it a perfect film no way uh it, it apparently bombed at the box office from what i've seen but yeah. mixed reviews on from all the critics out there but it's a decent film it's it's worth a watch i'd recommend checking it out at the very least if you're looking mm-hmm. for for some more horror um because yeah it's it scratched an itch and it's something that's sort of unlike a lot of the other crap circulating around like the you know the influx of vampires and zombies and things it's, it's something different that's out there at the moment so um that was yeah, it's pretty good it was better than what i watched earlier in the week which yeah. was a movie called we summon the darkness which is Ooh. a movie it stars um alexandra daddario the the lady that became famous from true detective in that uh in that naughty sex scene with woody harrelson or uh, she was in baywatch and what else was she in a few other things but she's like a young up-and-coming actress and um is ties into it's set in the 80s and it's around sort of the heavy metal scene in the 80s but there's also like these ritualistic killings going on around it as well mm-hmm. so it circulates around uh alexandra and her two her two friends and, and these three males that all meet at this heavy metal concert and then obviously there's a story that plays out it's, it's all right it was it was just a pass for me um mm-hmm. i thought it was going to be a lot cooler because i've seen some pretty positive reviews out there of it but yeah it was horror comedy is the way you describe um... it as um but it just missed the mark johnny knoxville's in it of, of all oh. people and he looks old these days very old like you can see the drugs caught him and yeah. um you know have have wrapped him in a blanket of of witheredness um, over the years but yeah i'd i'd certainly recommend underwater over uh, we summon the darkness but two two horror films that have that have sort of popped out and are available um whether it be legally or illegally depending on how you source your content um, mm. worth worth a watch definitely underwater more than we summon the darkness i'm gonna look at underwater because i'm not gonna lie like when i saw the trailers for it i was a bit kind of like curious because it had like cloverfield vibes um and i freaking love that movie so um i'm glad to hear that it's possible for you so yeah i guess it's probably one of those ones where i'm kind of sitting there and thinking like what should i throw on that might that that's that's a great great movie to reference as well like um totally slipped my mind that is that is a perfect way to describe this movie as well like cloverfield underwater is another good way to to describe what underwater is so um yeah anyone that's enjoyed cloverfield that original sort of unease of yeah alien the first one and Mm -hmm. um then the thing og the thing which is still one of the best sci-fi horrors ever made in my opinion Uh, but yeah that's what i've been doing that's what i've been watching Ooh. gonna crack into doom finally this week oh gosh so many games and i refuse to start so many games <laughs> so many games but uh yeah if, if you guys and girls need a break from gaming obviously head on over to 8bitnation.net or 8bit.net or shop 8bit.net to get your fix on all the 8-bit related content uh, we're talking podcasts we're talking video content there's the second part of the try not to laugh challenge doing the rounds at the moment so give that a look uh, it's something i think we need to do more of and i'd love to get more people involved on another wave of that from within 8-bit and and try and get a heap of videos and see how we fare as far as what we find funny and what we don't and um, work out some kind of penalty for the one that laughs the most uh, because it's serious time of the world at the moment but yeah obviously check out all that 8-bit 
goodness there. Uh, Shop8bit.net obviously is the direct hub for our web store. We're talking t-shirts, hoodies, caps, bags, socks, underwear, towels, pillows, all that stuff you need to live the best isolation life you can. If you want to support us monetarily, obviously patreon.com forward slash we are 8-bit. If you can throw some money behind us over there, that'd be great. But if not, just be sure to rate, review, subscribe us and all the other podcasts in the hashtag 8-bit collective on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your player is. Just be sure to throw some support and some feedback on there because it helps keep the emotional lights on in our hearts. But let's get into some news. This week's news headlines. All right. Got some this or that action going on today. And the first this, Justin Bieber's ex sues over likeness or that. Catch them all, but only from home. <laughs> Miss Hart, you go on this or you go on that? Um, I don't care about Justin Bieber's ex, so let's go that. Okay, so we're going that. And that comes from an article from Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer. And a big shout out to Jamie for shouting out this bit of news here over on our Discord. Obviously... Head on over to 8bitnation.net for the direct access to our Discord channel. Jump on in, have a chat, have a laugh. But on to the article itself. After a month's hiatus, Pokemon Go will resume its regular community days with a lockdown-friendly play-at-home event. Abra Community Day, postponed from March, will now take place on Saturday, 25th of April, as well as double the time to catch Pokemon. Incense instead of lures will now last the duration of the event, letting you play where you are whether there are Pokestops nearby or not. The event's bonus will be triple catch Stardust and there will be a surprise in store if you take a snapshot of your Pokemon during the event. March's planned production of a mini $1 USD research story to coincide with Abra Community Day is also going ahead. Rewards for buying this include a Poffin, Rocket, Ra- Rocket Radar and 13,000 Stardust as well as another meetup with Hunky Professor Willow. There will also be a heftily priced event box available for a one-time purchase of 1,280 Pokecoins to to introduce the Elite TM, an ultra-rare item capable of giving a Pokemon a previously obtainable event or legacy move, so Shadow Ball from Mewtwo, for example. It's worth noting that one will also be given free if you achieve rank 7 or higher in this season of Go Battle League. So Pokemon Go, here I am thinking it might be dying due to everyone being stuck inside, but clearly they're finding ways to keep the dream alive on the on smartphones and we've got a abra community day taking place next saturday april 25th are you still dabbling are you jumping on the phone here and there on pokemon go or is this sort of in the rearview mirror for you this, what do you reckon this, is is this is this gonna gonna get the people back i don't know like the dedicated few will definitely jump on like it's it's a no-brainer for them a lot of them already have like notica- notifications on their phones or whatever to like let them know. So especially if they have don't even have to leave the house this time, like they'll just do what needs to be done just to like, you know, get the community exclusive. Um, and it seems like there's a bit of a push for like microtransactions. So um, yeah, you got to get them dollary dues. I thought that was a bit sneaky where you can buy this $1 USD research story thing for one. And obviously my, my radar as far as what currency equates to in, in Pokemon Go is way off, but I'm assuming 1,280 Pokecoins is probably no cheap, no sort of laughing matter either. I'm assuming right. that's probably 10 bucks maybe. Yeah, that probably around that mark. It's been a while since I've actually done an in-game purchase because it honestly felt a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that they kind of brought up is that like, 
double time, incense instead of lures. So the lures were the things that you actually had to attach to Pokestops. Um, and then that's what you usually saw when you looked at the map. And there was like, what kind of looked like cherry blossom petals kind of floating around a Pokestop. So instead of that, it seems like incense is going to have the same effect. Um, but you only get so much incense. Not yeah, everyone like, has a bunch of incense. So uh, I, I like... On, on that, I like that it lasts the duration of the event because I think it was it was thirty minutes if I remember right. Like, mm-hmm. I know there's probably Pokemon fans listening to this that are, that are big Go purist guy. It's it's sixty minutes or whatever, but I'm pretty sure it was thirty minutes that the the incense and lures lasted when you parked them on a Pokestop as far as uh, oh. getting those Pokemon in. But because okay. it's lasting the whole event, which I think from what I saw online, it's about eight hours somewhere. So. One incense to go eight hours isn't bad. I think that's some good bang for your buck. Okay. I thought it was kind of, I, I, I misinterpreted that. I thought that was like the changeover will last the event, not the actual incense. But yeah, that's, that's good then. That's, a, that's yeah. a good initiative. But I mean, in the end, they're going to still want people to access the store because I mean, that's where they're making their extra, you know, extra cash. So keep playing please <laughs> yeah like I'd, I'd be curious to see what the the attach rate is on this game still after like it's been out now for a few years and you can't fault them for what they've achieved like it did bring gaming into the mainstream in a big way mm. as far as breaking down age barriers and even class barriers and things like every man and his dog was playing this from all walks of life for a hot hot minute there mm. and um it's it's still i think it's still got a probably pretty big um position in in the mobile gaming community but they're just trying to work out ways to keep people engaged now that we're all under you know do not leave the house um sort of self-lockdown and quarantine rules so yeah it's nice that they're thinking outside of the box and trying to to make people go back to the game but we'll see how this event goes next week with the abra community day Mm. on uh yeah saturday april 25 Mm. all right the next bit of news this Esports for the Elderly, a movie coming soon to a screen near you, or that. Space Racer arrives next month. Now, i got to say, I'm, I'm struggling with trying to come up with nifty taglines for these articles all the time. So, <laughs> anyone cringing or, or sort of shuddering with some of these, bear with me. Because I'm trying to make them vague and not give away what we're going to talk about straight off the bat. So, there's some mystery, hopefully, with these, with these headlines. I mean, unfortunately with you, Space Racer arriving next month. I already know what that is. So, um, you know, there's no, like, mystery that it's going to be about Star Wars, uh, Star Wars Racer. So, and since I'm pretty much borderline elderly, um, let's go for the this. <laughs> okay, so we're going for the this. And this comes via way of Patrick Stanley over at The Hollywood Reporter. French video game giant Ubisoft has teamed with Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein, the co-writers and co-directors of the 2018 Amy Schumer-led comedy, I Feel Pretty to develop a film centred on senior citizens entering the world of esports. The film, which is currently untitled, is based on a 2019 article in the Wall Street Journal. The next generation of competitive gamers is... over 60? Which is written by Laura Parker, which focused on a group of seniors who formed a competitive esports team. Jason Altman, Senior VP and Head of Ubisoft Film and Television, and Margaret Boykin, Director of Film Development at Ubisoft, will produce the project. 
Ubisoft has ramped up film and television production recently, debuting its Apple Plus comedy Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet earlier this year and revealing a number of animated television projects in the work based on and inspired by its catalogue of game titles. Additionally, the company is currently producing a film based on its Tom Clancy's Division action franchise starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain for Netflix. So, we're getting a documentary or a pseudo-film based off a bunch of silver foxes playing esports like i think that was i would watch of, this wasn't that the name of the team they are oh, they that's called? right they are the yeah. silver foxes aren't they yeah i'm pretty certain that's what the esports team um in real life was called but um i mean a movie it reads like it's gonna be a real movie but i wouldn't be too upset if they just turned it into a doco and followed the actual real team around and did some interviews and watched them at tournaments and, and everything mm. else. Like at least that mm. way you got some realness attached to it. Yeah, I think that I think that'd be a bit right. Like I'm not too sure how funny this could be, or it, I'm assuming it's funny. Um, and look, I'm not too 100% on the co-writer and co-director attached to this either. Um, but I think the underlining thing is just seeing that Ubisoft is really taking the hand in, um, you know producing a different media form um i like i said i've watched mythic quest and i loved it i thought it was actually really really good um and then seeing that they're taking um you know items from their catalog and turning them into like animated series and then um the division as well with jake gyllenhaal like i mean these are sounding like really exciting things and we've always criticized video game movies and tv shows we were lucky with the witcher turning out to be the hit that it was um but we've usually been pretty critical um the translation's never been too successful um Mm. so when you think that it's under an actual studio like ubisoft is you know pretty much the top of the umbrella you, you you'd assume that you'd be a little bit more successful in translation yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, and, and you look at uh, The Last of Us with HBO, like having Neil yeah. Druckmann involved, like having that direct conduit from developer or publisher to the film arm or television arm or whatever arm it is that's turning this into visual media uh, is great. And I think it's essential, like instead mm. of just seeing these other previous cash-ins, like I know we poo-poo on them a lot, but you think of doom and mario bros and stuff like that like i don't think nintendo or or id or bethesda or whoever had much say in the overall direction of where those films went Mm. so keeping keeping it in-house and and having someone on the panel that has a clue of how this should translate will bode well for it so yeah i'd love for it to be a documentary because all i'm picturing is like remember the movie wild hogs (laughs) <laughs> with John Travolta and all them old Diddy's yes. riding motorbikes. I just picture like that with this, but instead of them being bikers, they're esports players. And I sit there and go, man, that'd just be cringe. Like seeing old man John Travolta or like old Danny Glover or Danny DeVito or whatever, all sitting around like trying to learn how to how to play CSGO or whatever it is. Like it'd be funny to start with, but I think 90 minutes of that would probably be a little on the nose. It'll be tough to watch it's it's a tricky ground too because the level of comedy where it goes from funny to insulting is probably going to be very very fine so yeah good luck to them yeah so so we'll see what happens with this more like obviously there hasn't been much other news or information funneled out into into the world on this but uh yeah they've they've 
teamed up with a couple of writers and directors to start framing this out and we'll see what happens um, with this iteration of the article from Laura Parker but I'd, I'd still watch it regardless but I just know it'd be more enjoyable from from my thought as, as a doco sort of seeing the real people and the real life and you know old people for the most part can be pretty damn adorable and very endearing and, and it's nice to see and hear the stories and get a bit of truth about maybe where they came from as opposed to having yeah a Danny Glover or an old man crazy John Travolta reading a script you know faking mm. faking his past and then talking about games so yeah we'll see we'll see but yeah I, I think that the division might get parked for a little while just with how things are like obviously there is freezing <laughs> going on with with film production and what have you but even once all the COVID stuff goes away, maybe they will shelve this for a bit because it is a very much a parallel a to real, real life right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, they've got some free sets if they ever want them. But yeah, no, um, they'll probably will, probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and a quick sort of nod to the, that the, that headline, which was Space Race arrived next month. Um, yeah, Star Wars Episode One Racer uh, is making its way to the Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4 on the 12th of May. Uh, it's 15 US dollars, so I'm assuming it's going to be anywhere from 20 to 30 bucks Australian. $400. Um, yeah, or yeah, 99.95. But uh, it's yeah, getting uh, remap con- remap controls. It's got trophy support for PlayStation 4, and it's enhanced with 4K visuals. Hell yeah! But with the like with the original model, so we'll see how that m- melds together into the game. But <laughs> Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. They've they've got a ton of ton of new tracks, ton of new characters. Uh, so yeah, it's making its way out. It's crazy that it came out in 1999, and here it is in 2021 or 2020, making its way to the Switch and the PlayStation 4. I still have my Nintendo 64 cartridge. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So all right, the last this or that, supposed cousin of Nigella Lawson sued by publisher. Or that superhuman special agent gets remastered now with high fidelity cloaking. I mean, I've done two. Why don't you get to pick one? Okay, so I'm going to go with that, which is obviously superhuman special agent gets remastered now with higher fidelity cloaking. This comes via way of Wesley Yin Pool over at Eurogamer. Following Crisis's remastered sudden appearance on Crytek's official website earlier this week, the developer has now, sh- uh, now shared more in the way of specifics alongside a summer launch window on PC, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch. According to Crytek, the enhanced version of its acclaimed first-person sci-fi shooter will focus on the original single-player campaign. Crisis's multiplayer mode shut down in 2018 and doesn't appear to be returning and will feature remastered graphics and optimizations. More specifically, Crisis Remastered, which is being co-developed by World War Z Studio and porting specialist Saber Interactive, will include high-quality textures and improved art assets, a HD texture pack, temporal anti-aliasing, SSDO, SVOGI, state-of-the-art depth fields, new light settings, motion blur, and parallax occlusion mapping. Very, very high-end wording there, uh, which probably goes over a lot of people's heads, some of that mine included. Particle effects will be added where applicable, and there's also talk of volumetric fog and shafts of light, software-based ray tracing, and screen space reflections. Who doesn't love a shaft of light? (laughs) Exactly none of this is shown in the teaser trailer accompanying Crytek's official announcement, but hopefully we'll get some proper eye candy soon. 
Crytek launched in November 2007 and won plaudits for its freedom and impressive visuals and tech with the steep specifications of the PC version spawning the but can it run crisis meme? Digital Foundry looked back at the game for its 10-year anniversary and revealed why Crisis is still melting the most powerful gaming PCs all these years later. So Crisis, a game that came out 13 years ago, I really enjoyed it. Can confirm the graphics were mildly impressive way back then. I haven't touched it on a recent rig. Uh, I, I played it on um, PC and then when it sort of shifted onto the Xbox way back when. But yeah, very, very big surprise. I didn't expect to see uh, Crisis in any form uh, redone in in 2020. But uh, what do you reckon? Did you play Crisis? Have you much of a fan of the franchise? No, I've never touched Crisis actually. Um, so this could be my first gameplay of it if I actually jump on board because it's on the Switch and the Switch is currently my favorite uh, gaming platform at the moment. Can we just acknowledge that this game came out in 2007 and the multiplayer got shut down in 2018? <laughs> that's that's impressive for, from a support perspective. Like you look at a lot of these other multiplayers, some of them close within six months mm. and yet this is a game that no one's been talking about. Like I even think back to 2018, 2017 or whatever else. No one I knew or in our circles was playing Crisis or playing Crisis multiplayer, yet it was getting supported for 11 years. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that um, I saw a lot of, I guess, upset people thinking that they were getting a new Crisis um, based on the little teaser. I think it was actually just a tweet. Um, it was, yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, so just the eyes. Thought- was the eye tweet from, from Crytek themselves, just the eye set like the... I don't know what you describe them, that little eye emoji as. Yeah. You know, the two big eyes. Yeah. But, um, and then it, you know, got later revealed that, you know, it's going to be remastered. So some people were a bit eh, disappointed, but I think in the end, they're just happy that they're going to be getting it back in the, you know, a more detailed version too. If the graphics were so, you know, so amazing way back when, and they're just going to adjust and make it look, you know, polished for the new age, I don't see any disappointment with that. Yeah, like I remember the games were very impressive from a visual standpoint and, and using your nano suit was what you're equipped with and you had a heap of abilities like your cloaking abilities, jump strength, all this kind of stuff. Like it was really cool. Like they really perfected that that predator cloaking vision uh, in the game. And the first game, if I remember right, I think you were sort of somewhere in Asia like the Philippines or something where there's like this big alien structure thing that that gets discovered and, and you got to go over there as like a u.s army specialist with this nano suit on to try and work out what's going on mm. and yeah you've got your, your futuristic weapons and your, your cloaking and everything else and and fight your way through through that like whether it be human enemies alien like enemies and whatnot across the island so it was this crazy contrast of space future technology with this really lush sort of island world um melding together and, and i remember it just blowing my mind on the consoles way back when so um i'm keen to give a look i wonder how it's going to translate onto the switch like because imagine if like it just literally melts switches in your hand like you pick it up and just brrr, like i'm <laughs> <laughs> just melting clock sort of moments in your hand so yeah it's cool to see like that crytek engine's been been used in a lot of games and and it was very well known for, for the graphical fidelity and, and the texturing and the high level of detail that they could uh, generate with it. So uh, most recently, I think it was The Hunt was the most recent game that, that Crytek released, oh, which yeah. was a great little little uh, first-person shooter, really, really different to a lot of the other shooters going around, sort of team-based. 
where you've got to take down a, a big bad monster um, set mm-hmm. in sort of the, the early 1900s, which was kind of cool. But yeah, Crisis making its way back. Obviously, there was was I can't remember if there was one or two sequels. I know there was a second Crisis. But I, I know, know there was, there was a, a second one. Crisis. Yeah. Um. Can I just like just divert a little bit? Um. Do I win points from my hot takes at the start of the year? You know how we kind of gave little hot takes on what we thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And by um accidental default, I won the whole you know, developers doing their own online presentations instead of E3. So that I, I kind of won that one. And the remasters are, are kind of coming back as well. So that's two for me. Um. Yeah, you are, you are batting 100 <laughs> at the moment. Like, um, yeah, you're like the Oracle this year. You yeah. foresaw everything. Uh, yeah, I probably should have stopped, uh, stopped the uh, virus, but oh well. <laughs> It happens. You can't do everything. I did like the divisions, though. Yeah, that's true. So uh, yeah, it's coming out summer, summer US or summer for the northern hemisphere. So it's going to be out in, in the next handful of months. So mm. we're looking at that June, July, Augusty window uh, for release on on all platforms. So PCs getting getting the remaster, Xbox One, PlayStation Four, and the Switch. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give it a look. It's not on my high priority list, but I really enjoyed the game way back when, and. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it sort of will play and look even better like from some of the initial stills and a couple of bits of footage doing the rounds. Yeah. It does look really nice, really nice. And that island life, uh, you know, with the juxtaposition of aliens and sci-fi technology is really cool. So we'll see how we go. From one island to another, from Animal Crossing to Crisis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's move over to the main course. And this uh, one was highlighted by our boy Benny. Okay, at the Spawny13 on the Twitters over on our Discord. And uh, Jason Schreier is leaving Kotaku, citing Go Media as reason. This comes by way of Gene Park at the Washington Post. So there is a bit of uh, bit of detail in this article, so strap in, listeners. Jason Schreier, a journalist known in the video game industry for covering working conditions inside tight-lipped game development studios, and announced his resignation from video game news site Kotaku this past Thursday. Yeah, citing dissatisfaction with the ownership and direction of parent company Go Media, Schreier will soon take a position with another company he declined to go into on detail. It is the latest of several Kotaku employees to depart the company while invoking Go as the predominant reason. Kotaku has been owned and operated by private equity-backed Go Media since 2019 when it was sold by Univision, along with other sites formerly under the Gawker banner. The site network, which includes Gizmodo and The Onion, as well as the now-defunct Splinter, to name a few, has gone through a series of tumultuous ownership and business changes, most notably after the landmark Hulk Hogan invasion of privacy lawsuit that shut down its original ownership in 2016. I've been through a lot with this company. Since 2012, we've been through a whole lot of management shifts and resignations and firings and drama, Schreier told The Post. I've been through a lot of cataclysmic shifts because it always felt like through it all, we were guided by people who always cared about journalism. And unfortunately, I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Schreier, 32, said his breaking point was when Deadspin fired senior editor Barry Pachetsky for disagreeing with a management mandate to stick to sports, which angered journalists on staff who had cultivated a reputation for being aggressive, off-color reporting and eccentric commentary. They argued it would betray the online readership and community born out of their past work. Schreier wasn't the only editor to leave Go Media this past week. Just Wednesday, Gizmodo editor-in-chief Kelly Bourdais announced she was resigning. 
In a statement to the Post, a Go Media spokesperson said, We thank Jason for his contributions to, to Kotaku and wish him all the best in his next venture. Over the years, Schreier has gained acclaim and notoriety for breaking numerous stories about labor practices in the gaming industry. His stories help bring wider scrutiny to crunch culture and overwork inside large video game studios and publishers. Even rabid critics of Kotaku's news coverage generally concede that Schreier's reporting has been important to the industry. He's also built a reputation of breaking insider-fueled stories packed with preliminary information about games. Schreier's stories often cause large companies to steer abruptly into damage control mode, sometimes releasing press statements and posting blogs in direct response to his pieces. Minutes after Schreier posted a 2019 report on alleged mismanagement and overwork at Bioware for its game Anthem, the company put up a defensive blog post that called his work unfair. In 2018, Schreier reported on how 60-hour work weeks had become the norm at gaming giant Rockstar Games, makers of the blockbuster Grand Theft Auto series. For one of his final pieces at Kotaku, Schreier published a follow-up about how Rockstar's work culture has improved since the issue was brought to light. Schreier said his biggest concern about the industry going forward was the lack of money flowing to games media sites, many of which are reliant on freelance writers. I wish there was more money in the field to be doing the kind of reporting work that I think is really essential in keeping the gaming industry healthy and that the people in power in games are held accountable, Schreier said. Schreier declined to provide specifics about his next job. However, he will be joining a podcast with former and current Kotaku staffers Kirk Hamilton and Matty Myers called Triple Click, which will live under the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. So Jason Schreier, gone from Kotaku. In my opinion, he's probably the biggest or one of the lead dogs or lead figures in games media. Like he was constantly breaking stories ahead of the curve on delays and, and big breaking sort of announcements. He was always on the front line. Like he mm-hmm. was the man in games media and now he's leaving Kotaku. What what do you think about all this? Um, Jason's been like, I think a very important part of just the gaming industry altogether. Um, a lot of the time we talk about, um, how gaming has developed, um, especially in the public eye, um, and you know, how it makes generally, like it tends to make more money than a lot of the media, um, outlets that are out there. And I feel like with Jason's reporting, it added this next level of seriousness about the industry. So, um, him being such a you know strong-willed like very determined very like articulate as well like him dealing with like online trolls and all those people as well but just like you know getting the stories out there and being like what i would probably call a true journalist um especially in the gaming industry i just i I really felt like he put a mark on just how serious the gaming industry is and how seriously it should be taken and that there is a need for that level of journalism um, because those stories he broke, like especially the crunch, um, a lot of the union stuff, like it, it's been really important and has, you know, put a light down on that culture, especially within the gaming industry. Like we're all familiar with it now. We know it's a problem. Um, and his work is very important. And I mean, Go Media have lost someone pretty prestigious in the industry. Yeah, like I'm I'm curious to see how Kotaku come back from this because mm. I'd say he was almost the 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 person or, or the the main reason for traffic going to oh, Kotaku yeah. because you know Kotaku outside of his his long form pieces where yeah he was breaking some some pretty serious stories or or some some very very unique or impressive stories before anyone else 
outside of that, the rest of their content you can find anywhere. And, mm. um, you know, Kotaku, and, and I'm not sort of poo-pooing the, the staff that are staying on board there, and, and there is a lot of great talent still over there, but he was the, the, the standard bearer for Kotaku and, and the games media in general. So it's a huge loss for them, mm-hmm. huge loss. And, you know, the higher-ups at Go Media, they'll probably brush it off because you could sort of see in just how this, how this sort of outlet's changed since they've uh, been taken over by them um, last year. Uh, they're spiraling downwards. So we might see a massive retool on Kotaku and Gizmodo and the other outlets uh, even more off the back mm-hmm. of this. And maybe they are going to double down on sports-centric um, media as, as sort of something that they wanted to sort of focus on. So mm. huge loss for Kotaku, a huge gain for wherever he ends up next. I'm really curious to see where he signed on with moving forward. Like obviously he's got Triple Click, this uh, podcast it's uh, part of the Maximum Fun podcast network, which is great. So we'll hear his hear his voice more regularly in podcast forms. But no doubt he's jumped on with with another reputable news outlet for you know a, a, good, a good sum of money and probably a good sum of power they'll have there and flexibility. And it just seems like it came down to culture was the big thing. Like they they cut a lot of good people from Kotaku over the years, and and Jason seemed to be very close with some of these um, gentlemen and, and females that will let go or resign themselves. Mm. And, and he just went, you know what? This, this isn't for me anymore. There's, there's a difference of opinion and culture and, and direction for the company. So he's just doing what's best for him. And fair enough, like just to like a lot of these other people that have jumped ship from Kotaku or the, or the Go Media family. So mm. yeah, I'm curious to see. But yeah, he, he's been breaking everything for, for many years. And I, didn't, I never knew he was this young, to be honest. I thought he was a bit older. Like you look at him and he, and he looks like an older fella, like no disrespect to Jason Schreier, but he does look like an older gentleman, but he's only 32. And, oh no, um, he lo- okay. He looks how old I thought he was. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah. I thought he was like, you know, back <laughs> like, what? The is he like 22? Like- <laughs> yeah. But you know, he's been kicking around like since, since 2011 in, in the space. And uh, the last several years, he has been the, the person in games media just knocking down doors and bringing to light these these stories and these bad working conditions and whatever else so i don't know if that's going to continue in his new role is he going to shift into something more creative who knows like i'm assuming he's got a passion for what he does because the amount of hours that would go into putting those types of pieces together would be insane like we're talking probably hundreds of hours of interviews and research and, and back and forth to try and sort of formulate those those articles so yeah i mean he's developed himself with a level of integrity that like i hope he does continue doing this sort of stuff because he's actually you know established himself also as a pillar for you know the people that are really roughing it out in the gaming industry like a lot of people approach him because obviously he has like you know developed himself to be um you know he's not on this side he's not on that side he's about hard facts and people being like treated like people kind of thing so you know obviously a lot of people a lot of devs or a lot of people working hard and being mistreated felt like he was a person that they could go to with information so that like that the bad stuff could come out so i hope he does continue with this kind of like reporting that he does Mm. i i could see like just sort of pie in the sky spitball type of stuff i could see him almost go down a like a Danny O'Dwyer style concept where he goes in and interviews developers or has stories and shifts everything to a crowdfund 
type of deliverance of these pieces like does long form video essays and things on on some of these situations and stories that that are happening out there I'd, I'd very much like to see that because he's got the contacts to make it happen he knows people everywhere he does but like he's just recently started a family so i feel like he'd probably want a little bit of a security net underneath that it's more about like if he if he has gone to another company who's picked him up because I don't know if he gives off a liability kind of um, aura with with his reporting. So, like, companies, let's just say, like, IGN, like, would they try and pick... Although, I don't know if they have the money for someone like him, mm. but um, would they um, pick up someone like him at the risk of, like, a negative, you know, possible, you know... It's, it's very true, like for all the good he did for the industry and continues to do for the industry, he would make a lot of enemies or a lot of rivals from these companies where he's breaking the stories about, you know? Mm. Like I doubt he's he's on the best friends list at Rockstar or at Naughty Dog or wherever it might be because he has he is bringing to light the negative aspects of these companies. So yeah, exactly. I'd be curious to see, yeah, if someone like a mainstream IGN who have a lot of relationships with those developers and publishers would want to attach themselves directly to Jason Trier. But so it is a bit of push-pull, isn't it? Where Mm. there is the risk that you are going to get journalism that you won't get just about anywhere else in games media, having him on your staff. But at the same time, would you lose some relationships or partnerships or sponsorship opportunities with developers or publishers by having him on your staff? So it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds and no doubt we'll hear over the coming weeks or months where he's decided to plant his flag moving forward. But yeah, as you said, I think he's got a, a young bub and he's focusing on writing his second book and he's got this podcast. So he's got plenty of stuff to keep him busy and keep him occupied uh, from now into the future anyway. But yeah, we'll see where he lands. But big loss of Kotaku, I think is the mm. big thing. It's huge, huge hole to fill at Kotaku and I'm very curious to see what happens with them moving forward. Yep. All right. So let's shift into the final segment of the podcast and i'm hoping this is the right soundbite new releases and events things we wanted to bring to bring to light for this upcoming week Um, as far as the games coming out this week i wanted to highlight two both releasing on the 24th of april first one trials of mana making its way to the playstation 4 nintendo switch and pc Uh, classic jrpg that i played a hell of a lot way back on the snes in the 90s and the other one PlayStation 4 exclusive Predator Hunting Grounds gets released on April 24. So I am keen as a bean to uh, jump into the boots of Predator or the boots of the, the American military to try and uh, you know survive and and um, escape escape the ultimate hunter. So uh, yeah, there's two games that I wanted to to highlight and also another game, but one you won't be playing, but one you'll be listening to. Episode one of the Hungry Game Show releases this week so the debut episode of the hungry game show it will be available on the same hungry gamers podcast feed so you don't need to find it and subscribe on a new player it's going to be embedded right here on the hungry gamers rss feed so you'll see episode one drop later this week uh, and it stars salim the dream abraham uh, making his long-awaited return to podcasting and we talk a ton of tekken 7 so let's see if he is the king of iron fist trivia or if he's just another poser. So yeah, they come out this week. 
anything you wanted to bring to light as far as new releases and events or anything coming up this week you wanted to give reference to? I actually wanted to say that the new XCOM, um, that I don't, I'm going to butcher how to say that, Chimera Squad? Yeah, Chimera, Chimera Squad. Yeah, um, it actually looks really cool. Um, the collaboration between humans and aliens working together, um, the trailer looked really cool. It was a different kind of stylized um, like approach that I haven't really seen before. So um, I'm actually going to look at that. So okay. If anyone else is an XCOM, you know purist they'll probably already be on it but anyone else that's been interested just check the trailer out it looked pretty cool yeah it's, it's getting some positive press out there and and it looks more of the same of the XCOM sort of uh archetype but with a couple of little changes as as ali mentioned there but i've never played an XCOM game i'm not a big sort of rts type of dude uh, mm. but there is a lot of people out there that love it so no doubt there'll be some people queuing up to pick that out uh pick that up on pc on april 24 as well so three Three games there of note that are coming out this week and obviously the next episode of The Hungry Game Show and also the next episode of The 8-Bit Cast drops this week as well. So it's a big week for podcasting content. Uh, you can get early access to that for a dollar at patreon.com forward slash we are 8-bit. But otherwise, if you can't do monetarily, as I said earlier, it'll be out on the normal RSS feed two weeks later. So don't feel obligated to throw some money behind us. It's just something that you want to do if you can do to support us during these crazy times out there. But yeah, this has been episode 191 of the Hung Games podcast. Miss Hart, you got anything else you want to say or are we getting on out here? Yeah, we are getting on out. This girl is hungry. What is that? <laughs> I thought that was the outro button. <laughs> you have to keep that now. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's a no greater cue than to end the podcast. <laughs> I'm hoping this is the outro button. Oh, no. (laughs) Please keep this all in. Maybe this is the outro button. There's the outro button. (laughs) So, yeah, this has been episode 191 of the Hungry Games podcast. Ended in style. Until next week, Happy Nation. Much love. Stay hungry. One of many gaming and geek culture related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry.